Welcome to the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast, Hyphenation. I am the one, the only, and your host, Kellen Conley, aka Pinot Grigio Webslinger. I just like Pinot Grigio. How's everybody doing today on this Thursday? It is the second Thursday. No, it's the first. Second Thursday in April. Doing all right, man. Uh, four years ago today, I released episode 58 of Hyphen Nation, Cooley H.Y. Harmony. In that episode was the Boys the Men bracket where I decided the very best Boys the Men song. So if you're interested in checking that out, go check it out. Uh, you can do that at podpage.com slash hyphen nation. It's podpage.com slash hyphen dash nation. That is like the official website of the pod now. Shout out the pod page for giving away all this free stuff for pods. I have one set up for every hyphen hyphen podcast group podcast, and it's pretty dope. And all I had to do was put it in our RSS feed. So this episode is not sponsored, but if it was, I recommend pod page. There's your first recommendation. And I know I'm getting ahead of myself. So without any further ado, Morgantown Weather Report. All right. Currently, it's 67 degrees and cloudy. Looks like we're going to have some showers throughout the day. High is looking, well, let's see. The high for today, I think I just heard some thunder, actually. Uh, looks like it's going to be 68, so we're almost there. And it's going to drop to a low of 42 tonight. Tomorrow, 70 mostly sunny it looks like a beautiful friday here in morgantown and then the 10-day forecast and yes you guessed it not the bite not the bite button because you know i don't mess with podcast button but saturday 63 showers sunday 53 monday 49 with rain and tuesday rain and snow Oh, man, you got to love it or you could hate it, which is what you probably should be doing. All right, man. How's everybody doing, man? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I, I got to go to work in about two hours, but I figure I can spend some time with you guys, post the episode, put on my clothes. And then by the time I get to work, y'all have a new hyphenation to listen to. Fingers crossed that I don't get a call from work or anything like that, that nothing happens in between now and it's time for me to go to work. Okay. Put that energy into the universe. Anything of note that I, I want to briefly touch on before I jump into the episode proper? Anything at all? No, not, not nothing that I, I can think of. So in honor, hold on, hold on, I'm sorry. First topic. There you go, Liam. In honor of the NBA playoffs starting two nights ago with the play-in games. I had written down a topic a while ago, and I might have been talking about it on this very pod when I wrote down this topic. And the topic simply says, favorite NBA players. And so I've done list of death. I've done, um, was it supposed to be a list though? No, okay. Greatest producers of all time. That's going to be a top 20. I've done lists before on WrestleCast. We did um, our greatest wrestlers of all time. We did our greatest matches of all time. And that was that was actually an idea 
that the greatest wrestlers of all time. I'd wanted to do that on hyphenation for the longest time, but sitting down and making a list was super hard. So once we started WrestleCast and then, and then handsome Bane was like, Hey, we're going to do this, do this greatest wrestlers of all time. You got to make a list. I mean, I had no choice and I left CM Punk off my original list and Marcus and Eric will not let me forget it, but that's cause he just come back. And then I was just waiting to be disappointed as awful as that sounds. And I have not been disappointed. Shout out to my guy, CM Punk. I did put you on the list, Punk. You're good. You're in the top 10. Um, but then also I had done the top 20 MCs of all time. And that episode is episode 39, I believe, of Hyphen Nation. So you can go check that out. I wanted to talk about some of my favorite NBA players. And I didn't want it to be a list because, there, again, there's a whole episode where I sat down and, and talked about LeBron versus Jordan and why I felt LeBron had finally surpassed Jordan, even though, honestly, Jordan is my favorite NBA player. Iverson's my second favorite NBA player. I don't even know. I love watching LeBron, but I don't know if he's like one of my favorites. Like I have all the respect in the world for what he's been able to accomplish. Obviously, I, I say he's the greatest player of all time, but there's just so many great NBA players that I, I just want to sit down and spend. This is the perfect venue, ver, the perfect avenue for me to spend some time just talking, talking about how great these players were. Um, past, present, and not, not future, past and present. So we're going to go to the past for the first one. And I'm, I'm going to do these periodically. I, I'd like to do a few during NBA playoffs and NBA finals. Uh, that, that'd be a nice little consistent segment for y'all. I want to talk about somebody that's near and dear to Handsome Bane's heart, someone who's near and dear to my heart. One of my favorite NBA players of all time is Grant Henry Hill. Grant Hill. Oh, you talk about, and, and I apologize if that sounded dirty. <laughs> you talk about a NBA player that was just fun to watch night in and night out. L let me tell you how it all started. Shout out the new edition. This is where we all started from. And yes, I'm going to talk about heartbreak at some point on here. I've been meaning to do it for the longest time. No, I've been meaning to talk about Home Again, their 1996 album, but I, I probably said on here how much I love the Heartbreak album that they did in 1988. Uh, I love that album. I can listen to it all day long. I can close my eyes and hear every single song on that album. <laughs> Take Handsome Bane's uh, analogy that he always uses when he says, I can close my eyes and watch that TV show or that movie. <sighs> Grand Hill. Let's start at the beginning. I, all caps, and thank God they didn't win the national championship, even though I have all the respect in the world for him now, hated Duke in the early 90s. While I was a young child who decided, I like Michael Jordan, therefore I like the Chicago Bulls, and have only wavered once throughout my 10 years of Bulls fan, and that was for Iverson and the Sixers for a few seasons. I was not the bandwagon jumper that I may seem to be because I, I started liking the Bulls around the time they won their first championship. I didn't know they were going to win five more. <laughs> but my my dad had it in me that uh, he, 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 uh, he didn't even drill it into me. My dad was a Raiders fan, so I became a Raiders fan. And it was, it was that simple. Shout out to Derek Carr getting that extension. Hell yeah, Derek Carr, QB1, that's what's up. And when it came to baseball, I've always been, 
I, I've kind of been not as consistent. Like I like the Oakland A's when I, I first started getting the baseball, like around 93, because I really like Ricky Henderson and I liked them for a while, but then they traded Ricky Henderson and I forget, maybe it was a Blue Jays trade or something like that. And I started liking this team in 94, uh, right before the strike hit. I, I really started paying attention to Kenny Lofton, Albert Bell. So I was really following the Indians and the Indians were having a great year. And then after the strike was over in 95, lo and behold, the Indians go to the World Series and lose. But I was officially an Indians fan and I was an Indians fan up until they fired Mike Har- Hargrove. And so there was two World Series losses in there, but I was an Indians fan. And then I was kind of teamless for a while and I kind of fell out watching baseball. But then I was just kind of like, uh, you know, what? I want to get back into baseball. Um, let me just start kind of seeing, seeing where some of the Indians went. And I, I just I was like, oh, Manny Ramirez is in Boston. I, I'm going to start kind of following Boston. And I kind of picked up on following Boston. The it was the year that they won the World Series in 2004. Um, so I I kind of it kind of coincided with each other that I was following Boston and they ended up with the improbable com- comeback against the Yankees and then end up going to the World Series. And so I was a Red Sox fan for years and years and I still am a Red Sox fan. But when Poppy retired, I I kind of fell back. So the last championship. Even though I, I probably posted about it on my Instagram or something, Leanne, if you're listening, which I know you are, because this is the Barack Obama approved world's greatest podcast. I, I didn't really feel like my championship. 2007 feels like me, okay? And Grant Hill, hold on a second. See, what had happened was the Rockies had taken taken the lead against the, the Red Sox in the playoffs. And so I broke out my Red Sox hat and started wearing it all the time. And we rallied and we won that series and went on to win, win the World Series. So 2007 is definitely I, I was a big part of. And the um, one in between the San Francisco one. So what was that, 2013 when, when they won again, uh, when they were all doing the beard thing? That, that, that was my championship team. I, I can't claim 2004 or the one from a few years ago when they beat, those, beat the Strohs too much. But anyway, Grant Hill, I hate Duke. I hate Duke. I did not jump on that bandwagon. Um, I, I jumped on the UNC bandwagon because that's where Jordan was at. And then when I moved to Morgantown, I started following WVU a little bit closer. Regret that. <laughs> I don't regret it. I don't regret it. I regret the, like the last six or so, six, seven seasons of us not, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just frustrating. Uh, but didn't like it. Didn't like Christian Leitner. Didn't like Bobby Hurley. Didn't care for any of them. Didn't like Shushevsky. Didn't like that they won a national championship in 91. Didn't like that they beat the Fab Five in 92. So, F Duke. Christian Leitner gets drafted in 1992. Bobby Hurley gets drafted in 1993. Leaving one man. One man. On that Duke team. Okay, not not just one man, but there was one player who had been on those original championship teams for Duke who was going into his senior year at Duke in 1993-94. Okay. And I'm scrolling because I want to don't want to make sure I want to don't want to mess anything up here. So this is the same guy who made that amazing pass. To Leitner 
in the regional final against Kentucky. So Leitner could hit that improbable shot that sent Duke into the final four. And even though they, they failed to mention it in here, from what I can tell, um, he went to the national championship game in 1994. He led Duke. And let me stop looking at the screen. I got focus. Grant Hill took over that team after Hurley was gone and after Leitner was gone. And I hadn't noticed how much he had developed. But by 93, 94, I had SportsCenter. I had, I had Satellite. And all I saw was this amazing player for Duke. Duncan, scoring, putting up numbers, playing defense, a blur up and down the court. And if my memory serves me correctly, they went to the national final in 94, and they lost to Arkansas, I believe. Corliss Williamson in Arkansas, I think. They lost to Arkansas in the final four. But after watching that NCAA run by Grant Hill and watching how valiantly he tried to carry Duke to the championship, even though he came up four points short in 94, I was like, I can't help it, man. I'm in love with a Duke player, and, and I became a Grand Hill fan, major Grand Hill fan. So going into the NBA in 94, 95, this is their first, they're going into their second year without Jordan in the league. Um, and Jordan had, of course, taken the torch from Magic and Bird as the standard bearer for the NBA, the biggest star in the NBA. 93, 94, while had a lot of exciting moments for people who were already a fan, and Shaq was playing his second year, and Penny, his rookie year, was the year before that. There was a lot of good things to like. There wasn't a real big star anymore in the league like that. Like, even casual fans who may have wanted to tune into the NBA Finals, they slogged through a seven-game series <laughs> with the Rockets and, and the Knicks, and it was it was a physical, brutal series. Yeah, Olajuwon was brilliant and deserved um, Finals MVP. But I can tell you, there even with Shaq around, there was not a lot of kids out there saying, I'm Shaq on the court, you know? It was always, I'm Jordan, and or it was always, I want to be Jordan on the court. And, unless they had like a, a local star they like, but even then, I don't see kids saying, I'm John Stockton, I'm Carl Malone. Carl <clears throat> Malone's gross. So the NBA had a star problem, and Scottie Pippen had started to come into his own as a, as a star, but then... The whole thing happened in Easter Conference Finals with him not wanting to go out for the last play and everything. And so, and then of course, he was never happy with his contract in Chicago. And he never really embraced that limelight as, as a star. He played great in 93-94, and he was in the MVP conversation. But other than Shaq, there was no other real big stars I can think of. And having a center as your star attraction in the league is hard when you've had this flashy two-guard who's been dunking all over people since 1984. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a little difficult. So Grant Hill came in the league and Jason Kidd came into the league. Jason Kidd came from California, Grant Hill from Duke. Not here to talk about Jason Kidd, mad respect for him. They were co-MVPs. But Kidd went on that Mavericks team and I just said, I want to talk about him. And he instantly highlights, highlights, highlights. He wasn't getting along with Mashburn and Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy Jackson. But, he was a highlight reel. He was he was putting up assists. People were comparing him to Magic and triple doubling. 
And everybody's like, oh man, this, this Jason Kidd, Kidd kid's great. <laughs> Grant Hill ended up in Detroit. A Detroit team that had just lost Isaiah Thomas in 94, I think is when he finally called it a career. And Lambeer had retired in 93. Dumars was still around and would be around for a few more seasons. But this is a, a Pistons team that was seemingly on a decline after their two back-to-back championships in the run as the bad boys. And they dropped squeaky clean Grant Hill <laughs> into Detroit. And Detroit just embraced them, man. Like, And a lot of the old guard was gone. Chuck Daly had left in 92, I believe, was his last season there. So Daly was gone. A lot of the bad boys roster was gone. So Dumars was the only holdover from that. And they 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 saw what they had in Grant Hill. And I don't remember what pick Grant Hill was. Let's see if I can quickly get back to that to see when he was drafted, professional career, drafted by the Pistons. He was he was a third pick of the 94 NBA draft. Um, I don't care who went ahead of him. And when Grant Hill was on the court, yo, and the, now we're going to do the whole encompassing thing. I'm not talking about his rookie year anymore. I'm not talking about when he was a Piston. From the time in 94 when he's a Piston until the time he signed with the Orlando Magic. When Hill was on the court, he he was just such a well-rounded basketball player. And you could say LeBron borrowed a lot of his game from Grant Hill because you when he was on the floor, like compared to Jordan, people always be worried about Michael scoring. And, or Michael on defense. So you always had to think about Michael in the back of your mind. No matter what defensive game plan you had, no matter who your man was, you had to know where Jordan was. Grant Hill came into the league with that and had that same attitude. If you gave him some space, he would pop the J in your face, and eventually he would pop the three in your face. Um, of course, they weren't shooting a lot of threes, but he could do it. If you got too close, he was so quick, he would go right by you, and he was not scared. He was not scared to yam it on you. He did not care. He would dunk it on your head. And the cool thing about Grant is even when it seemed like he wasn't having a great game, like a great scoring game, because he was never a, a, a player who would put up all kinds of uh, crazy numbers. He averaged 20 points. Uh, uh, I'm not, I don't want to do stats. He averaged a high number of points, but he was also getting rebounds. He's also getting assists. He was triple doubling almost on the level of Jason Kidd, and he wasn't the ball handler. He came into the league and took the idea of what Phil Jackson had done with Scottie Pippen in Chicago and making Scottie kind of the point forward with him bringing up the ball. They took that from Chicago and gave that opportunity to Grant, and Grant flourished. You see Grant Hill come up the floor bringing the ball up, you don't know what to do. This is a 6-7... Six seven. He's a, this is a six eight small forward, but he he could literally play the one, play the two, play the three, and probably bang around a little bit with a certain size of four. You see him come up the floor dribbling the dribbling the balls. The point guard, you don't know what's going to happen. He could cross you up and go to the hoop and get the foul, get the and one. He could stop and pop if you give him space. He can make a great pass and set up one of his teammates. He was just so deadly coming down the floor to ball. And so with them handing the offense over to Grant, essentially, Grant, he was just so dangerous. And nobody knew how to stop him. 
And I don't care what Scotty says. Scotty had trouble with him. Michael had trouble with him when he came back. There was very few there. Honestly, I don't think there was any player in the league who could really stop Grant Hill at any given night prior to his ankle injuries. He was just too good at what he did. And and the Pistons started winning almost immediately. Um, I will look this up because I feel like it didn't take much time at all before they got they went to the NBA playoffs here. Um, he was leading the league in all-star voting, like beating Jordan, like in Jordan's first full season back. Um, that's how popular he was. He led the NBA in triple doubles in, in 1996. He was selected for the um, 96 Dream Team. So he was part of Dream Team 3. Uh, I just want to see the first time he got into the playoffs here. I don't really see it, but Pistons never made it far in the playoffs. So it was 96. So Grant got there in 94. Um, so he missed the 94, 95, 95, 96. But 96, Grant is going into the playoffs, taking them to the playoffs. And they never were that successful. They would always, um, they, they would get in, I'm, I'm reading this, but they would lose in the first round in 96, 97, 99. And then they didn't make the playoffs in 94, 95, and 97, 98. Um, so here's, here's what happened. I'm gonna go ahead and read this verbatim because I see it here. 2000 playoffs would be no different. April 15th, seven days before the start of playoffs, Hill sprained his left ankle in a game against Philadelphia 76ers. He continued to play until the first round playoff series against Miami Heat, in which his injured ankle got worse. Hill was forced to leave halfway through game two. Eventually the Heat swept the Pistons 3-0. Hill was selected for the 2000 Olympics, but could not play due to an ankle injury. Ankle injury would prove to be a major liability for many years to come. So from 1994 until 2000, Grant went to the playoffs three times. Took this Pistons team. He was the only star. Mind you, they did get Stackhouse at one point, but I'm not here to talk about Jerry Stackhouse. <laughs> Nothing against Jerry Stackhouse. He's from UNC. But he, Grant Hill gave the league someone fun to watch just like Jason Kidd again so all those old NBA commercials that they would splice together and have and always Jordan be featured prominently Grant Hill started becoming that guy so clips from Grant's rookie season his second season where he's going in and dunking on dudes or just making people look stupid his highlight reel was ridiculous number 33 on the Pistons one of the most popular jerseys I've ever seen and from that era there was when the red jersey came out, people were copping that. People weren't so sure about the the chess piece, um, whatever you want to call it. I like those, and I really like the red ones. And I'd honestly like to find a red Pistons Grand Hill throwback, uh, because I I just love those. He he was the most popular guy in the league, and the coolest thing about it, especially for me as a kid, was he was just so chill, man. He he was always smiling, and of course he had his dad, um. Calvin Hill, I think. Uh, let's see. Let's see if I can find it in personal life real quick. Did he play basketball? Yeah, we know he played basketball. Professional career. Da, 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 da. Uh, when did Grant retire? Grant retired in 2013. Personal life. He was, yeah, Calvin Hill. A former wide receiver for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So Calvin Hill had been grooming his son. Went once he took this path of being an athlete, and he saw saw the potential. He, he's been grooming his son how to deal with this 
these things like his entire life. And when he came into the spotlight at Duke and in the NBA, he had a million dollar smile, man, just like Jordan did. And we know Jordan was an asshole. But Grant wasn't an asshole. That's that's two. <laughs> My bad. Grant was just so cool about everything. And he was always smiling and laughing. And even when the team wasn't doing well and stuff, he, he never threw any teammates under the bus. He always played as hard as possible. He played hurt on that ankle. And some would say that's the reason why it never healed properly. Because if he had sat out and didn't try to play on it, he it, his career may have been different. He might have went to Orlando in 2000 and got with McGrady, and they would have been the force that we all thought they were going to be. But it, but it just didn't pan out. And then, his, I mean, his career almost ended. Hell, I want to say his injury was so bad that it was. I don't I don't know if he, his injury was so bad where it was life threatening, but it, it but it was crazy. Uh, split around ankle. See, all right, sit right here. March 2003, Hill underwent a major surgical procedure, which doctors refractured his ankle, realigned it with a leg bone. Five days after surgery, Hill developed a 104.5 fever and convulsions, rushed to the hospital. Doctors removed the splint around his ankle, discovered that Hill had contracted potentially fatal methods, he contracted MRSA infection, a fatal MRSA infection. He was hospitalized for a week and had to take intravenous antibiotics for six months. He almost died for that damn ankle. And that was in 2004, that was in 2000, where'd it go? 2003. So three years after he injured the ankle, he almost died from it. And then he came back and he played until 2013 and he contributed on some pretty decent Suns teams from 2017 to, uh, from 2007 to 2012. And he ended up re retiring. Uh, from the NBA in, in 2013. I wonder if the Pistons did a one-day contract for him. Is is Grant Hill's jersey retired? Let, let's see what it says. Is Grant Hill's jersey retired? Hiya, Puddins. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Holly and Quinzel, here to tell you all about it. It's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff. And if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or Theater from Our Butts. <laughs> Have a good day, Puddins, and love, trust, and belief. Dang, come on, Pistons. Come on, Pistons. I, I know, I know he never won y'all championship. But Pistons Grant Hill was a problem. Pistons Grant Hill... Just like that Heartbreak album, I could watch him play any game in his Pistons career start to finish a thousand times. I remember I was watching, um, they, they used, I'm, I'm sure they still do, but it was back, back when I was younger, it was like the NBA was on TNT on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays it was TBS and Thursday it was TNT. So it, I'm thinking it was a Wednesday or a Thursday and I turned on a regular season game with the Pistons it started around eight. And I turned it on and I was like, oh man, it's just a run in the middle game. I'll, I'll see what Grant does. And I could not take my eyes off Grant, man. He, he was just such fun to watch. He could score at will. He could make amazing plays with the ball. He was in there banging for rebounds and I didn't even get to the defense. He was just as dope on defense. Here, here's another question. Let's see if it can answer this. How many steals did Grant Hill average? 
Yeah, I know. Okay. Uh, he averaged now a lot of those, a lot of that stuff. He averaged 1.2 steals for his career. Of course, he wasn't the same player that he was in Detroit. But I encourage you to go to Basketball Reference and see exactly how many steals Grant Hill was averaging before um, the injury, Be- because it's it's pretty. He was always everywhere in the corner. He was blocking shots. He's in there banging with people. He was doing it all. And I loved him for that. All right. All right. I mean, still, so 1.8 is rookie year. 1. 1.3, 1. 1.8, 1. 1.8, 1.8, 1.6, 1. 1.4. So he was averaging damn near two steals a game, which is pretty damn good. He averaged five assists, 6.9 assists, 7.3, 6.8, 6 assists, 5.2 assists. Um, rebounds, 6.4, 9.8, 9 rebounds, 7.7, 7.1, 6.6. And the, the points per game, just for the record, 19.9, 20.2, 21.4, 21.1, 21.1, and 25.8 in his last year with Detroit. And over that time span, let's see, he missed 12 games his rookie year, two games, two games, one game. He was hurt a lot. Oh, no, that was a lockout. He played the full season during the lockout, and then he missed eight games in uh, the 2000 year. So missing less than 25 games over the course of those one, two, three, four, five, six seasons with Detroit, he put it all on the line for that franchise, man. He, he, he tried his very best, and Detroit tried their best to surround him. Retire Grand Hill's jersey. He deserves it. Grant Hill, I know you're listening to this. I love you. I love your career. You're one of the greats. You're a big influence on me um, being as in love with basketball as I was. And you gave, gave a young kid someone someone dope to watch after Jordan left and before Jordan uh, came back. And then also, even with Jordan in the league, you would go right up to him, J.O. You did not care. There were so many games that you and Jordan were going back and forth and Jordan had no answers for you. And Mike would get you too obviously, but uh, Dumars is normally on him. But when you had Mike, I mean, you had your moments with him. You didn't have an AI crossover level, but you still had your moments. You're a badass, Grant Hill. Much respect to you, sir. That's what I'm trying to say. Woo! Next topic. That felt good. This episode sponsored by Water, by the way. As always. Excuse me. So, I had Spotify on another day, listening to my playlist. And I see on there that there was a a new Wiz Khalifa album. And it was called Full Court Press. Now, I've stated this way back in one of the early, like, it was probably in the first 110 episodes. The episode cover that has Wiz on it, uh, talking about where I'd gotten my love of camouflage shorts from, and it was from, from Wiz wearing them when I, I really got heavy into Wiz. And this is going to be a, a Wiz Khalifa section uh, to finish things off. And this this will be pretty brief. So there's a new album. It was called Full, Full Court Press. A few months ago, Wiz had put out a mixtape album or something called uh, uh, Wiz, Wiz Got Wings or something like that. I checked it out. It was fine. It, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was fine. And... And I was just like, oh, you know, new Wiz album. Let, uh, you know what? Let me just go ahead and throw it on, see what it's about. Because ever since I fell in love with Cushion Orange Juice, which we'll get to shortly, 
I um have been a Wiz fan. Didn't wasn't too big of a fan prior to anything prior to Cushion Orange Juice. Damn, excuse me. Wasn't too big of a fan prior to Cushion Orange Juice. Uh so I didn't I say yeah it was fine. Uh even like uh the How High mixtape, I think that's what it called or How Fly whatever it was called with currency I, that kind of went over my head and flight school. I don't know if I'm getting these terms right. I'm, I'm seeing covers. They might not be right. Cushion Orange Juice was the one where I, where I became a fan of Wiz. Cabin Fever, underrated mixtape. Put that put that on streaming, Wiz. I, oh, Cabin Fever is so good. Love Cabin Fever. And then the debut album, Rolling Papers, came out. And then after that, I, I've always appreciated Wiz, but the music hasn't hit me the same and I'll talk a little bit about that when I get to Cushion Orange Juice. But Full Court Press isn't just a Wiz album. It's also a Girl Talk album, who I knew from my U92 days. It's also a Smoke Dizza album, a rapper who I've always known of. I've I've always liked him. Never have actively seeked out any of his projects, but I never was mad when I heard of a Smoke Dizza verse. And Big Crit, who I've always never had a problem with either, other than the fact he sounds so similar to Pimp C, and so that was always my reason for never listening to too much Big Crit. But I threw it on, and and the first song I was like, oh, you know, I was like, man, you know what? This this isn't too bad. I I, I actually I actually enjoy this. Like, uh, the the beat was real smooth, and I'm going to see if I can pull up the album here on Spotify. The beat was still real smooth, and Wiz was on his melodic melodic vibe, and then. Uh, Dizza came through with a dope verse. And I was like, oh, you know, this ain't too bad, man. And, and then I just went to the next track, and this is the first track that featured all four of them. And, of course, Girl Talk is the producer. Um, put you on, and I was like, I was like hey, this, joint's, this joint's all right, too. I, I kind of I like this one, too. And um, I'm, going, I'm trying to see. Okay. Yeah, so so I get to put you on, and I was like, I, I like this joint. Then I get to the song How the Story Goes, and I'm like, this song's dope too. <laughs> and then no singles came on. And I was like, this song's really dope too. Then Ready for Love, which is just Wiz and Girl Talk. That song's good. And then the 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 I the cherry. Cause I was by then I was like, I love this album. This is my favorite album of 2022. Crit has this song called Fly the Coop on there, man. boy I feel like an idiot you know how I like to go around for years and not listen to artists and be like I'm not a weekend fan and then turns out I am I probably should have been a big crit fan for his whole career man cause Fly the Coop that song is hard bro woo Oh, I, I want to play a snippet, but I know YouTube will be like, eh, eh, eh. what you doing? I, I don't think so. And I don't feel like messing with it, man. Oh, and that sounds, that sounds like a dirty noise again. I apologize. <laughs> but, but the, the, the album, hold on, let me, let me, okay. The album is only 10 songs, 31 minutes. And from start to finish. It's real good. And they got currency to come through on there. So currency got a feature on there. 
the whole album is dope. And I, I got more of an appreciation for Smoke Dizza. I don't know if I want to actively seek out his music or anything again, but if I ran across a Smoke Dizza album or something now, I I probably would listen to it. Like, I was very impressed by him. Crit finally won me over. And here's the thing that worked so well with Wiz. Wiz wasn't on every song, and that's not why it worked so well. Wiz is Wiz, okay? We know what you're getting here with Wiz Cleaver verse. Wiz is never going to be drop a verse that's going to make you go, oh my God, Wiz just dropped a dope verse. No, man, Wiz is going to get on there. He's going to talk about having sex and smoking weed and drinking and partying and life being good. And that that's a Snoop. <laughs> that's a Wiz verse. That's what you get. The thing is, Wiz has to have the right beats. And Wiz, while he has an ear for beats, I feel like he's fallen into this trap of taking a beat and be like, this, this is this is on trend. Now I'm gonna rap to it and put it out. And then people are just so meh about it. And I'm gonna pick that up in one second. Go listen to Full Court Press right now. It's the best album of 2022, in my opinion. Now, I've listened to a lot of new music this year, but nothing as of yet that I've listened to, and y'all might be able to throw some names at me and stuff, like, oh, did you listen to that? I'm probably like, no, not yet. It, it's in the list. I just haven't got to it. I'm trying. I'm still listening to stuff from last year that I haven't caught up on. Go take the 31 minutes and listen to Full Court Press, and I know my man Dave Bracey's going to do that because he saw my tweet. It's worth it. You you will enjoy this album. Even if you're not the biggest fan of Wiz or you were or you like Wiz Wiz, Wiz does not hurt the project. Crit Crit is impressive. Diz is impressive. Wiz is impressive. The beats are great. Go listen to this album, man. Next topic. Picking back up. You know how Snoop left Death Row. Or even you know how Snoop put out the Dog Father. And while some of the beats were good and he had some decent songs, it wasn't the same as with Dre. And it never was the same with Dre. Then he goes to Death Row and gets beats by the Pound Beats and it's still not the same as it was with Dre. They, there were some good songs like Down For My Ends and uh, well, uh, Still A G Thing I was a fan of. And then he, he does No Limit Top Dog and he gets back with Dre and he and then he starts messing with other producers outside of Beats by the Pound. And that's when the difference comes in with Snoop's whole career. And I'm going to get back to Wiz. When Snoop is on the right beat, which is something I feel like he's honestly tried to do the last, let's say, four or five years when he's been doing his albums. When Snoop is on the proper beat, it does not matter. Snoop can make a dope song. When Snoop is not on the proper beat, we know Snoop could really spit. But Snoop is still Snoop, even no matter the content matter. His voice is his voice. And if the vo his voice, no matter how much he likes the beat, if it doesn't mesh well, the song doesn't work for me personally. Wiz is the same way. And Wiz's career, he, I mean, damn, he's been doing this since like 2004, 2003 now. But he's only been superstar level since 2009, 2010, when Rolling Papers came out and Black and Yellow blew up. When Wiz is on the right beat, it doesn't matter that he talks about the same things. 
or, or how melodic he is or what he does or his enunciation, he sounds good. He knows he fits so well in a certain pocket. But when Wiz is on a beat that doesn't fit his voice and his vibe, that's when the problems will start. Weed and Boys, perfect example, okay? <laughs> Decent beat, like it's a hard beat. Weed and Boy, Weed and Boy. And Wiz tried. There was nothing wrong with what Wiz attempted. But coming off of everything from Rolling Papers and even the black and yellow and I roll up, I roll up and no sleep and cushion orange juice and the, the melodic stuff that he was really getting noticed for to see him switch and go that direction for O-N-I-C-F, no, O-N-I-O-N-I-F-C, excuse me. It was jarring. And then that's the whole feeling I got from that project. And even Taylor Alderdice, I got that feeling. And so any Wiz project I would listen to after that, no matter how much I would want to to like it, he had some decent songs, but it was like, man, this beat doesn't fit. Like it, it just doesn't mesh well. The Girl Talk album, every beat was perfect, perfect for Wiz. And even he just dropped a video for a song. I don't know where it's from. It's on his uh, YouTube channel. And the, it, he's like uh, in a school um, and he's like, it, it's a pretty dope video. It's only like three, three minutes, 30 seconds long, whatever. And he's in a, he's in a school, he's in the cafeteria and they're, they're all partying like the school's crazy. And it, it's a dope, it's a decent song. And Wiz's voice fits that beat. His delivery fits the beat. It works. Cushion Orange Juice released in 2011 is to this day his greatest project ever and i don't remember if i've talked about this at length i don't need to spend too much time on it to be honest with y'all i i've said on here that i love cushion orange juice if y'all have heard me go in on it before y'all gonna get a real brief overview if you want to hear how wiz khalifa is supposed to sound and wiz if you ever wonder how you should sound because i know you listen to this podcast and the sound you should be aiming for, it should always be the vibe on Cushion Orange Juice. It should always be that. It actually is on streaming now, and they had to remix a couple things because they couldn't clear samples, which is understandable. So I highly encourage you to get the mixtape version because I, I don't like the remixes. I think it was only two or three songs they had to remix. It was never been in the statement, I think, they had to remix. But if you watch any of the videos from this era or just listen to this project, man, it, it's it's gorgeous. It is a beautiful mixtape. And the producers on it, Sledrin, Cardo, Cashmere Royale, uh, VVS Sound. The, in the statement, I still swear I would love to hear a Nas verse over that. I think that would, that would have been a dope remix if he had ever pulled that together. The Watchers, Big Germ, XO, Sledgerin, Cardo, Sledgerin, uh, Serm Style, Johnny Giuliano, Superstar O, Big Germ, Big Crit. I did like Crit's verse on Glass House. I always forget about that. Sledgerin and uh, the, the producers who made this album, they had set such a sonic landscape for Wiz to do nothing but talk about being the best, having sex with your woman, smoking weed, partying, Waking up, bake up, gotta get my cake up, in the cut, in the cut, 
rolling doobies up. And that's all he talked about. The whole mixtape. There's a couple skits. I mean, the man flipped a Demi Lovato sample and they were done, but it's not over. We're started. Like who, who would have thought? I mean, shout out to Cashmere Royale for that flip. But he heard that and was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to rap over it. I'm going to cop that being rap over it. And this is when that laugh started coming in. So that, ah, 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 ah that, that whiz cackle he's famous for. And all the catchy ad-libs, man. This is where I get the, the line, bad bitches and good weed. I've already cursed like four times. I, I get it from there. Bad bitches, cold drinks. He is just so smooth on every track, man. And it just seems like, you know, he just, he's up at the mic. He hits, hits, hits a joint. Says something cool and then spits his verse. Does the hook. And, oh man, I, I love this entire mixtape. Mesmerized, great. We're done, great. The statement, needs not, still great. Spotlight, though. Kid Frankie, I've been talking it. And you ain't living it. And I encourage you, please go watch these videos. They're typical Wiz videos if you ever saw one, but this is all on their grind, self-produced, shooting in uh, the studio at ID Labs in Pittsburgh. And every video works. In the cut, the Chrono Trigger sample, shout out to Sledgerin for Never Been, Chef's Kiss, man, Vision, still blazing, the, the reggae flip. Why can everyone just roll like me and give the space and let me roll my weed? Ain't nobody gotta been and anybody gotta know. Let's all learn how to roll like and blow it by the O. I'm here, but my mind's gone. <sighs> you don't have to smoke weed to like this album. You don't have to. I encourage it, but you don't have to. <laughs> Uh, th this is the best Wiz Khalifa project. And Full Court Press reminded me of this project, which I love so much. And I already had written down that I wanted to talk about on the podcast. So shout out to Full Court Press. Shout out to Girl, Pre Girl Press. Shout out to Girl Talk. Shout out to Wiz. Shout out to Crit. Shout out to Smoke Dizza for uh, a great album. And reminded me of how much I love Cushion Orange Juice. So there's your recommendation. Go watch Grand Hill highlights on, on the YouTube. Go um, download the mixtape Cushion Orange Juice. Listen to that and then go stream Full Court Press. Go do that and watch some Wiz videos while you're on YouTube in between Grand Hill clips, man. Those are your recommendations. Go do it. Okay? All right. You've been listening to the Barack Obama Approved World's Greatest Podcast, hosted by me, Kellen Conley. So, there. this is episode 197. Yeah, episode 197 on the road to 200. So, there's a whole archive out there of old episodes featuring me mostly, but also one of my semi-regular co-hosts, Marcus Show and Mad Love Robinson, my other semi-regular semi co-host, George Gerbo, there's guests all throughout this bad boy. My dad's on a couple episodes. I got I got to get him back on. I, I wanted to do it with him last year, but um, did not get it done on that trip. So I, I promise you there will be another Daniel Conley episode, Lord willing, uh, this year. Uh, so I, I, want, I do want to get that on there. Uh, go check out the pod. If you listen to us on, listen to us, listen to me on Apple Podcasts, 
give the show five stars, please. It lets more people know about the pod. And if you do that, uh, then, then more people can learn about the Barack Obama approved Rolls Grace podcast. If you want to leave a review, please do good or bad. I will read it. Does not matter to me. Also, if you're on Spotify, uh, rate the show five stars. You got to listen to the, at least one episode, I believe, for to let you do that. But please take time, rate the show five stars, because it'll do the same thing for Spotify's algorithm. If you listen to Hyphen Nation on any other podcast listening app, I appreciate it. And if you can't find Hyphen Nation or one of the other great Hyphen podcast group shows on one of your favorite podcast apps, please let me know and I will do my best to fix it. With that said, if you want to get in contact with me, B-H-Y-P-H-E-N at gmail.com, be hyphen at gmail.com. Also at be hyphen on Twitter, hyphen universe on Facebook and uh, the be hyphen on Instagram. You can also uh, follow my YouTube channel. You can um, subscribe. You won't miss any uh, videos that I post here. I post a podcast on there. I got a 2K video I'm getting ready to drop tomorrow. It's a second part of my 2K series I started a while back. So it's gameplay plus a little streaming history for me. Um, things I've learned from streaming since I started, uh, two years ago when the pandemic hit. And so go do that. You can, uh, like the videos, you can comment on there. I'll read those. I read some YouTube comments on the finding Neverland episode a few episodes ago. And if you hit the bell, you won't miss any uploads. So please, please do that. Uh, if you want to find any of the links, any of the cool stuff I'm working on that I released throughout the week, hyphenuniverse.com slash links. It's all there. No more link tree. And just top one down. And there's donate links in there. If you want to support me, you want to support the pod, you want to support the YouTube channel, there's Patreon and there's coffee. So whatever you guys prefer. I appreciate it. If you want to go to hyphen podcast group route though, hyphen podcast group at Gmail, hyphen podcast group on Facebook, hyphen podcast group on Instagram, hyphen pod group on Twitter. Just like that. Power of positivity is real. Get that negativity out of your life. No matter what it may be, no matter what you have to do, you got to do you always. Remember that it's important. And with that said, give people their flowers while they're still here because you never know when it's their time to go or your time to go. So it's always very important that you let people know how much they mean to you. And with that said, call your mom, call your dad, call your brother, call your sister, call your brother. Again, call your stepbrother, text your half brother, um, send your, um, grandmother a telegram send a pigeon uh with a note to your cousin facebook message your granddad whatever you gotta do man just tell people how much they mean to you it's important you just never know and i say i want to say r.i.p to Dwayne haskins with that because you never know r.i.p gilbert Godfrey. i i i don't have you made a lot of people laugh so r.i.p gilbert Godfrey as well but RIP Dwayne Haskins more because whew, what a way to go. So young. And, and Gilbert was young too, man. But 67 is way different than 24. Especially when you you might have been a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. So it's been a long time since there's been a black starting quarterback on the Steelers. So that makes me sad. It makes me sad that, uh, that he lost his life the way he did. So RIP. Oh, man. I appreciate each and every one of y'all to listen to the pod, who watch the pod, who put up with all my nonsense. I love each and every one of you. Shout out to Angel and Aaliyah for going to the Aquatic Center this morning and letting me get this pod off. Appreciate y'all. Happy Easter. Happy Easter. I went to the um, Stations of the Cross at uh, church. We, we've been finally getting back into church like the last six months now. 
since the pandemic. And it was my first time going to stations at the cross at, at our Catholic church, angels Catholic. I'm not. And Aaliyah is getting ready to be, um, her, uh, first communion is next weekend. Damn. And, and she's about to turn eight. Happy birthday, Aaliyah. She turns eight on the 20th. Whew, crazy. And I enjoy stations of the cross. It, it was actually, actually pretty good. I, I still don't know. Um, if, if I want to be Catholic or not, I, I don't, I don't feel that calling yet. I don't know if I ever will, but I haven't made a decision one way or another. I, there's no pressure. I have a whole episode. It's the cover that has daredevil on it. It's like in the one, 100 to 110 section of the pod, uh, where I talk about my experiences with church. And since, since going, starting to go to our church here in Morgantown at St. Mary's and my experiences with church prior to that, you can check out all those views there if you want to hear them. But I did enjoy that. So happy Easter. Um, go Bulls. <laughs> You're going to need it. You're going to need it. Again, remember you heard it here first. I got sons over the Bucks in the NBA Finals. Uh, if you lose money because you decide to sports bet because of me, that's your fault, not mine. Okay? Cake Cupcake. Sorry, sorry, Eric. I hadn't said it in a while. But uh, that that's it, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Love doing this pod. It's so much easier now. I stopped thinking about it as much, and it's just been so much easier now. So I hope y'all been having as much fun as me. I say all that to say this. Thanks, y'all.